Dear songwriter, you have questions. A lot of people in a similar situation to you right now have questions. I have questions. We all have questions. So in this episode, I'm going to answer them, at least some of them. A few weeks ago, I hosted a free live training called How to Write Memorable Melodies for those folks who are in my free online membership called The Songwriter's Vault, which you can join, by the way. You can just go to connorfrost.com, C-O-N-N-O-R, frost.com, slash vault, V-A-U-L-T podcast. And there are quite a few questions at the end of that training. There are quite a few questions about songwriting in general, as well as the music industry and all of that. We always host a Q&A, so this is when the questions come in. So in this episode, I want to offer some answer to those questions in the most public way possible, which for me is this podcast, in the form of the second ever mailbag episode for this podcast, Dear Songwriter. My name is Connor Frost. I'm a professional songwriting mentor who's helped hundreds of songwriters now to write their first collection of songs. And this is Dear Songwriter, the podcast to help you confidently write and release your music so that you can live your most musical and creative life. Let's get into it. Okay, welcome once again to the show. This is episode 89. Pretty cool, working our way up to 100. So like I said in the intro, hosted this class, this free class, which again, you are welcome to be a part of. ConnorFrost.com slash vault podcast. It'll be in the show notes as well. Host some really cool live trainings for you all, and they are all free. So I'm going to go through these questions. How many are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them, and answer them and do what you want with that information. Let me know if you like these episodes. I haven't really gotten much information in terms of whether people like them or don't, so please let me know. Okay, so Lex had a couple of questions. First question was, do conversational songs mostly end up being static in melodies? So the context for this is we listened to that song, Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier, and in the verse melody, it's very static. And by static, meaning kind of mid-range, not a lot of jumps, kind of like a two or three note radius. And the lyrics are also very like conversational. What Lex is asking here is that do conversational songs in terms of their lyrical as well as melodic flow, always involve static melodies. And I would say, not always. One of my favorite songwriters, Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie, as well as Postal Service, and I feel like I've been such a fanboy of Ben Gibbard and that band in general in this podcast. But if you listen to his lyrics, if you listen to the song Crooked Teeth, he jumps around quite a bit, but the lyrics still do feel conversational. So I think the short answer is no, but naturally we speak in a certain way that doesn't involve these crazy melodic jumps. And so I think naturally when we think of conversational melodies, we typically think of melodies that are fairly static and aren't super dynamic. But the short answer to that question is no, I don't think they always have to, but it's a balance. If there's too many jumps, if there's too much going on, it's going to be very tough to follow along lyrically, possibly. And so I think it's a balance. And I think that's something that you have to work out for yourself. But definitely check out the song Crooked Teeth by Death Cab for Cutie, because I think that's a good example of how they don't always have to be so stagnant. Okay, so Lex had another question. I'm an adept songwriter, but am not a musician. Do you help with production? My goal is to release works, but I don't compose and have been stuck. So context for this question, towards the end of every Q&A, 
we tell people a little bit about what we do in terms of helping songwriters. And so Lex is specifically asking about our programs. The short answer is yes, we do help with production. I think there are stages in terms of how a song becomes a song. And this day and age, at-home production, demo production is very much a part of a lot of people's songwriting processes. Yes, there's elements of teaching our students how to build these demos, how to record at home. The short answer to that question is yes. Valerie asked, do you have a next step for advanced songwriters who are looking to launch? First thing is, I don't know about labeling anyone as like an advanced songwriter. Certainly there are seasoned songwriters, but because songwriting is so subjective, advanced seems like a funny term to me. So I would maybe change this label from advanced to probably seasoned or experienced. So this question, do you have a next step for seasoned songwriters who are looking to launch? It really comes down to what your goals are, right? So I'm going to assume that in Valerie's situation, maybe she is looking to launch her brand. She is looking to be more active on social media. She's trying to connect with more people, right? I would say in that case, getting clear on your artist story, getting clear on your values, and getting clear on a content plan, okay? So the reason you get clear on your story is because at the end of the day, your songs are an extension of you. But what people are really buying into is your story, right? So when I think back to my journey, a lot of people started listening to my music because they were intrigued by the stories that I was telling or just my story in general through meeting me on these many tours, right? People started working with me for my mentoring because my background is someone who is a DIY musician, independent musician, and they really resonated with a lot of aspects of my life story, right? And so finding a way to start to communicate your story and also communicate your values, which is ultimately going to be a part of your story so that you can find people who are going to resonate with what you're doing, right? So a way to connect with people and share your story and share your values is obviously through your songs, but also going into the content plan part of the answer to this question, I think starting to deliver those stories, deliver those values in the form of content that may or may not always be just songs, right? So whether that's through writing, whether that's through a podcast like this, whether that's through short video like on TikTok, just trying to find ways where you can be consistently communicating your story and your values. And then yes, of course, tying it to your music. All this to say is that just starting to get yourself out there in a consistent way, regardless of what your goals are, I think is kind of the name of the game. Hey, songwriter, real quick, want to let you know that at the time of recording this, my calendar is open for free calls and we are getting towards the end of 2023. There are going to be some changes in 2024. One of those changes is the price of all of my mentorships will be going up, the prices rather. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for some time and you're thinking to yourself, I really want to work with Connor or I'm interested in working with Connor. I just haven't been able to kind of bring myself to do it. Maybe you're feeling a little bit hesitant for whatever the reason might be. 
I'm going to encourage you to take that action now, right? Because if you book that call now and it turns out that we do work together, you will get in at the lower investment point before we head into the year of 2024. So if that is of interest to you, connorfrost.com, C-O-N-N-O-R, Frost, F-R-O-S-T.com slash call, C-A-L-L. Book your free Just Start Call with me. We will talk this out. We'll set some clear goals. And if it feels like a good fit, we will talk about what it would be like to work with each other. Okay, back to the show. Okay, Autumn asked, how long does the mentorship last? So again, at the end of every free training that we have, we go into what it would be like to work with us. So Autumn is asking about the mentorships that we offer. And the answer to that is it really depends, right? So in the past, we have worked with people on a more short-term basis. Typically, we like to sink our teeth in in terms of helping people really achieve a result. And so that usually lasts for at least a couple of months. But it really depends on what your goals are. And so that's why I don't always share a fixed program or I don't always present a fixed program because it really depends on where you are. And if it's even a good fit, because sometimes it's not based on where people are and where they're looking to go. Willie asked, how long have you been helping songwriters? So you meaning me. So the answer to that would be a little bit complicated because before I launched this, I was teaching music. So I was teaching like guitar, teaching piano. You could argue that I was helping songwriters in that sense. And so I've been doing that for 13 years. More specifically, this practice of helping people like you to write their first collection of songs, that's been around since 2019. So we're going on five years now of me helping songwriters like yourselves. Jared asks, so does that mean that hooks are kind of subjective? Okay, so going back to the song that we listened to in that training, Gautier's song, somebody that I used to know, there's a very clear course hook, or there are a couple clear course hooks. And so Jared is asking, certain sections resonate with me more so than others. So does that mean that hooks are subjective? I guess the answer to that is yes. You know, like a lot of things in songwriting, it is subjective. That being said, there are elements that I think are important to incorporate when you're trying to write hooks, right? So if you're writing a hook where, you know, the notes are all over the place and not always in the same key when you mesh it up against the instrumental, then maybe that's not a hook, right? Because at the end of the day, the audience needs to remember what that melody is or what those words are. It's all about creating a situation, writing a lyrical line, creating a melody where people are going to remember it. That's the idea of a hook. And so, yes, while it is subjective, I do think it's also within reason. Ultimately, what elements can I provide in this melody that are going to make it easy or easier, I should say, for the listener to be able to latch on to what is being said or is being sung. Okay, and then the last question, can a chorus be short and sweet? Absolutely. Not only do I think a chorus can be short and sweet, I think it can also involve very few words. So if you listen to Weezer's song, Perfect Situation, there aren't even really words in there. He's just singing like, oh, 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 oh. So go back and listen to that song. All this to say is that absolutely, I think choruses can be short and sweet and involve lines and melodies that, again, are going to bring people together as a chorus to be able to sing along. A lot of times what I see with students that we work with is that their choruses are a little bit longer and can be a little bit wordy, right? And this is something that I struggled with as well. And I would argue that if you want any sort of like wordiness, perhaps, not always, the verses and the bridge, assuming you have a bridge, 
is where that would be more appropriate. Really depends. At the end of the day, it's your choice. But yes, a chorus can absolutely be short and sweet. Okay. Hopefully that brought you some value. That was our second mailbag episode. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing. <laughs>